Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. Well, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. We talked about it last Sunday. It says this. It says, Train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for this present life and the life that is to come. I've got a quick survey question for you this morning. How many of you have a Fitbit or something similar, an Apple Watch, a smartphone app, something that records your steps or your movements. How many of you have something like that? Okay, quite a few. I just thought of this a little bit ago. I should have held a contest and had everybody share their number right now, and whoever had the most steps, they would win something. I should have done that, but too late. So, you know, that fitness tracking or activity monitoring... That's big business today. That's big business today. Fitbit made a revenue last year of $1.32 billion. It's big business. Apparently, a lot of people are really interested in counting the steps that they take each day. I've got one, and right now it says that I am at 3,934 steps. So... It's, it's, a, it's a thing. I mean, people do that. People are interested in knowing what their steps are. I figured out that if I wear my Fitbit uh, while I ride my motorcycle, it gives me really good numbers. <laughs> so that's my new exercise plan. <laughs> when it comes to physical fitness, being active is really important. But when it comes to spiritual health, It's very, very possible that the best thing we can do is slow down, to be calm, to be quiet, to be still. Just just consider, think about Jesus. Jesus was 100% human, and he was 100% God. He was a miracle worker. He taught, he preached, and he healed, but yet Jesus himself took time to be calm quiet, and still. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 through 38. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone's looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I have come. And then Luke 5, verse 15 through 16 Yet the news about him spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to hear him, and he healed to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus took time to be still, to be calm, to be quiet and alone. If we want to be spiritually healthy, Spiritually fit, strong, growing in our faith, we need to slow down. We need to calm down. We need to make time to be still. 
typically, most of us are not very good at that. We're better at hurry, hurry, hurry. That's what we're better at. We're better at a hurry, hurry, hurry schedule. We don't have a McDonald's around every corner because their food is amazing. We have a McDonald's, a Wendy's, and a Burger King, and all those other fast food places because their food is fast. Commercials tempt us with a promise of fast results, next day shipments. We want high-speed internet. We want quick oil changes. We don't want to wait. We don't like to be still. We struggle, and we get very, very agitated when there's nothing to do. Because we're conditioned to be on the move. We are conditioned to go, 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 hurry, hurry, hurry. The well-known Swiss psychologist Carl Jung said that hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. And that's, that's obviously an overstatement. But yet the point is clear. This constant busyness that we often fill our lives with can be very, very harmful to us. If Jesus needed time to slow down and be still, then we most definitely need it even more. Last week I mentioned the spiritual disciplines. A spiritual discipline is something we can do, something we can practice that will help us to grow spiritually. They're taught in the scriptures, and we see them lived out in the first century early Christians. Two of the disciplines relate to this importance of being still. We call them solitude and silence. Solitude and silence. Solitude and silence help us to live out what Psalm 46.10 tells us. Be still and know that I am God. Now I've already pointed out that Jesus took time for solitude. He frequently went off to isolated places. When he first began his ministry, he went into the wilderness for a time of prayer and fasting. When he heard that John the Baptist had been killed, he went into solitude. When he chose the disciples after a healing, after a miracle, over and over again, the Bible tells us that Jesus went off to take time to be alone. Think about it. Where was he on the night of his arrest? Where was he on the night of his arrest, before his trial and crucifixion? He was in the garden alone in prayer. Jesus not only practiced it and did that himself, he often encouraged his disciples to take that time. Look at Mark chapter 6. In Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 32, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to them all they had, been, all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. You see that? They're busy. They're busy doing all this stuff. They don't even have a chance to eat. And Jesus says to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Sometimes to renew ourselves, to refresh, to strengthen our spirits, we need to get away. It might be a wooden bench on a nature trail somewhere. It might be a swing on the back patio. It might be kneeling at the foot of your bed. It might be a folding chair in the garage. It might be a walk around the block. 
It might be sitting out in the car while it's running in the driveway. And it might not even be a literal, physical place where we go. But it is an intentional withdrawal, a separation, an isolation. In solitude, we take the time to be alone with God, to pray, to read, to meditate upon his words, to enjoy the presence of God, to just be with God in that moment, just the two of you alone. It's also a good way to create some separation between us and the distractions of this world. Is this world full of distractions? Yes, for sure. It's an, it's an opportunity to examine our hearts and to listen to God speak. It can be a time of good rest and refreshment. Blaise Pascal, a scientist and theologian from the 1600s, said this. He said, I have discovered that all of the unhappiness of man arises from one single fact, that they are unable to stay quietly in their own room. Boy, I think there's truth there. Austin Phelps, a pastor in the 1800s, took note. It has been said that no great work in literature or in science was ever wrought by a man who did not love solitude. We may lay it down as an elemental principle of religion that no large growth in holiness was ever gained by one who did not take time to be often long alone with God. Just like the scientists and the literary artists, just like people that have accomplished great things in that have taken time for solitude to be alone in their thoughts, the people that have grown spiritually have taken time to be alone with the Lord. Being alone with God gives us that opportunity to refocus. We turn off the distractions. We set aside our worries. We don't think about the things that are on that to-do list. And just like Mary did, we sit at the feet of Jesus and we listen. And we listen. Thomas Merton studied and wrote about the early church fathers. Now that term, church fathers, that's basically a term used for those who helped establish the Christian church in the first and second centuries. They followed after the apostles and they preserved the gospel doctrine. Thomas Merton wrote that those early church leaders considered solitude to be extremely important for our faith They considered it so important to the faith because they compared society to a ship that was going down and we needed to swim away from it. Solitude, time alone with God, keeps us out of the flow of a culture that is drifting away from God. The Apostle Paul, if you remember, he told the Christians in Rome, he said, do not conform to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If we neglect our time with God, if we neglect our time with God, we inevitably conform to the patterns of this world. But if we spend time with God, our minds are renewed and our lives are transformed. I would encourage all of us, I would encourage everyone to make time 
a little bit of time each and every day for solitude, to set aside time for time alone with God. I think we need a little bit of that each and every day. Maybe make some time in the morning. Maybe make some time at night. Maybe make some time all throughout the day, a few minutes here, a few minutes there. It's not going to happen, though, if we don't plan for it. Because the busyness of the day will overwhelm us. I also think that every once in a while, we need an extended time of solitude. Maybe one whole day, or two, or maybe even more. How about taking a Saturday and commit that, to the, commit that day as a day devoted to just you and God? This day, God, it's nothing but you and I. It's just you and I. No other priorities, no other errands, nothing else to do. Turn your focus towards God. Read or listen to his words. Pray, meditate, and contemplate. Write down what you learn, what challenges you, what encourages you, what commitments you make. I've made some copies that I left at the welcome counter of what an extended solitude might look like, what it would look like, a schedule for it. So if you're interested, they're out there at the welcome counter. But solitude is is a good thing for our soul. But let's be careful because solitude is not a place where we settle. It's not a place where we settle. Our faith is not meant to be lived in isolation and apart from others. But if our relationship with God is going to grow, we need to have some time that is one-on-one time with God alone. We need that time, but that's not all we need. We need to be with other people, too. That's what the Bible says about faith. It's meant to be lived together. So solitude's good, but don't settle into that. Take time for it, but don't settle there. Lamentations 3, verse 25, 26, and 28 says, The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him, to the one who seeks Him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Solitude is a spiritual discipline, and just like that, so is silence. Solitude and silence are both unique, but yet they're also very complementary. Richard Foster wrote a classic book on the spiritual disciplines. It's called The Celebration of Discipline. And he put it like this in his book. He said, without silence, there is no solitude. We must understand the connection between inner solitude and inner silence because they are inseparable. The world is a noisy place. And we have become conditioned for it. Silence is often very awkward for us. If there's a lull in the conversation, we get anxious. If it's too quiet, we turn on the TV or we turn on some music just for some noise. How many of us need noise to go to sleep? I'm there. I have to have the radio on or have a fan going or something. Silence can be a struggle. However, silence can be a spiritual discipline that helps develop our faith. In an article about the spiritual discipline of silence, Author Trina Dolphemeyer said, When Christians create silence, they place themselves in a consecrated space to begin to hear the gentle whisper of God. This discipline of silence 
It's very intentional, and it's very purposeful. It's quiet time focused on God and His presence. The noise and the distractions, they're put aside, and we can listen. We could really, really listen. In the quiet, we can hear that our own internal voice. We could hear our deepest thoughts. And then we can hear, we can bring those thoughts right into the presence of God. Then in that moment, in that quiet, quiet moment, we invite God to speak. And we aren't necessarily listening for an audible voice, but we are listening for the Spirit of God speaking into our hearts, into our thoughts. We are reflecting and considering what the written revelation of God says, what His Word, the Bible, is speaking. Mother Teresa said, God speaks in the silence of the heart, and we listen. You know, I was a, I was a youth minister for 17 years. And just in case you are unaware, sometimes a room full of 30 teenagers can get loud. Just in case you didn't realize that. Audrey, you teach junior high, do they ever get loud? <laughs> Occasionally. When it's time to get the attention of that group, it can be a challenge. Trying to yell above the noise didn't work. But I figured out that if I dropped my voice and began to talk softer, they would begin to quiet down so that they could hear. It's in the quiet moment that we can really listen. Our lives get loud. Our lives get busy. And when our lives get too loud and too busy, we can't hear God. The English poet John Donne wrote this. He said, I neglect God and his angels for the noise of a fly. Do you remember the prophet Elijah? Elijah's one of my favorite Bible characters. Elijah had this mountaintop moment, literally. He had challenged the pagan prophets to a confrontation. He challenged them to pray and see if their God would respond. Then he would pray and see if the one and true God would answer. The pagan worshipers prayed and worshiped and, and nothing happened. But Elijah prayed and fire came down from heaven. But then very soon after this mountaintop victory moment... Elijah learns that the king's wife has issued a death threat against him. So in fear and in, de in depression and loneliness, he runs to the wilderness. And then one night, the Lord speaks. 1 Kings 19, verse 11 and 12. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. God did not speak in the big and powerful wind. God did not speak in the earthquake or the fire. God spoke in that gentle whisper. Guess what? If you want to hear a whisper... You've got to be silent. It is, a good, it is good to take time and to be alone with God in solitude. 
It is good to take time to be alone with God in silence. Psalm 62.5 says, My soul, wait in silence for God alone, for my hope is from Him. The Bible tells us that silence is even more than a spiritual discipline that helps us listen to God. It is also evidence that the Spirit of God is working in our lives. Have you ever stopped to consider that? Silence is evidence that the Spirit of God is working in our lives. Think about it like this. One of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And silence is a demonstration of self-control. Proverbs, 19, or Proverbs 10 verse 19 says, If you talk a lot, you're sure to sin. If you are wise, you'll keep quiet. Proverbs 11.12 says, One who despises his neighbor lacks sense, but a person of understanding keeps silent. Proverbs 17.28 says, Even fools are thought to be wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Sometimes silence is a very definite sign of spiritual maturity. And in contrast, sometimes saying too much can be a sign of spiritual immaturity. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 7 says, There's a time to be quiet and a time to speak. And let me say it like this, and I, I know this is blunt, but sometimes the most holy thing you can do is shut your mouth. I, I know that I need to hear that. <laughs> And maybe you do too. Just this past week, I've had conversations with two people where at one point I just said, you know what, I need to stop. And I got quiet. And you know what usually happens in that moment? When you restrain yourself, you feel like, okay, that was right for me to do. It was right for me to be silent in that moment. So, so let me summarize it like this. Silence is when we intentionally step aside and silence the noise around us, the busyness and all the stuff that distracts us, and we quietly reflect and listen to God speak into our life. Silence is also when we quiet our own noise, the tendency we have to use our words to elevate ourselves or criticize others, the necessity we have to feel to be heard, to win the argument, to impress or to convince or to dominate, the noise we create to, to gain attention or acclamation. That's what silence is. Henry Nouwen expressed the idea that without silence and solitude, it is virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. Without silence, without solitude, it's virtually impossible to live a spiritual life. He also said this, he said, it's a good discipline. It is a good discipline to wonder in each new situation if people would be better served by our silence than by our words. Solitude and silence. Imagine them like the weights at the end of a barbell. They complement and balance each other. And as we lift them, as we lift and include them in our life, we get stronger and we get more fit spiritually. They help us quiet the noise and listen close as God speaks into our life. They give us rest and renewal. 
They, get, they are a demonstration of self-control. They teach us to rely on God. They help us to be aware and feel the presence of God. Jesus is meant to be our everything. We seek more and more of him. Stand with me as I pray, please. Lord, we want to hear your voice louder than the noise of this world surrounding us. So God, give us the motivation and the commitment to make time to spend with you. May we give you some good quality time alone and help us to know when to speak and when to be silent. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. May the word of God be living and active in your life.